a chance So say goodbye to everything you ever knew before And I'd understand if you went running out the door And I'll keep you safe And no harm will ever come to you, I swear And I'll kill if they even dare Hi, Your Highness. How are you doing? I am doing excellent. The Good. sun is, it's almost sunny. Well, it's its sunny and then it's not I sunny. Like it. And then it's sunny again. It's I the like best it too. Michigan winter I've ever had. Oh my God. By far. <sighs> yes. Ever. Welcome to Michigan Murders and Music, where we discuss murders in our gorgeous state. And top it off with a little homegrown music, leaving you with a happy ending and on a good note. We do that. Every week, and you Every can week. buy that music on Bandcamp and support those bands. They would appreciate it, and so would we. Thank you for letting us seep into your ears. We appreciate it very much. Apparently, we have some new listeners. We do. They let us seep into their ears, too. Nice, and they've reached Who are out they? to us. We have Clayton. Robin Smith. I have Kesha Donaldson. Matt Terrell. And Kim Schillam. We have to give our major shout out to our monthly supporter, Emily Richardson, who helps Thank you, Emily. produce very, this podcast very financially. Yes. And if you guys would like to do that, just go to the link in all of our places. You can find a link. Who is this Kim Shillam? I don't know. Oh, that lady. She's a little oh, something. Man. You got to watch out for that mm. one. I'm going to tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks for listening, Kim. It's <laughs> fucking awesome. Oh, speaking of fucking awesome, do you have an explicit content warning? Yes, I do. So every once in a while when you're a young man, um, usually it only happens once to this extreme, but when you get into a, a little tickle match with oh, your brother oh. and the next thing you know, it turns into a fist fight. Fists are fucking flying. Yep. And... Words come out. Before it ends, there are two broken noses. Someone's gone through the door. A partially blinded eye. (laughs) Uh huh. An emergency trip. Knuckles. And yes, a trip to the emergency room. I think of the stepbrothers where he's like, he raped me. (laughs) (laughs) So don't don't start tickling each other. We don't have tickle insurance. It's not okay. Uh huh. And what? Her Highness. Is going to say oh. very naughty words. So if you Excuse have children, excuse me if I'm vulgar for yes. a minute or two. Mm-hmm. She's going to say things like or forty, and we'll try to beep it out as much as we can. But I don't it, know how to beep things. I would that what the, what the, what the, that takes a whole uh, lot of work. I mean, it'd be the entire podcast. It'd be like beep beep beep. beep. <laughs> That's all you'd hear. Beep. We would like to keep this podcast commercial free and independent. So if you are feeling a little tipsy, please check out our website or any of our social medias. You can tip us. You can buy merch. You can become a monthly subscriber. You can do anything to help please us do. out. Look all, at your all hair. Of that. Your hair's looking what, all what? kinds of swoopy whoopy. It's long. Do us a favor and share us with a friend and follow us on all the usual places. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I don't know. You guys, email us. If you want a free sticker, email us at michiganmurdersmusicgmail.com. And I'll send you a goddamn Michigan murder sticker. What are those? And I said she would use the naughty words. So They're beautiful. We this week we are featuring the band Misery Lane. And they are hardcore. But what I love about them is I can still understand every word they're saying. It's really nice. Never have I, I like ever them. heard a band that was like, rah, rah, rah. And then you can understand their lyrics after that. It's awesome. You'll like it. The song is called Behind the Mask. They actually, I have to give a huge shout out to Ken from the band because they sent us the MP3 this week. We didn't purchase it. It was sent to us by the band and he thought the song would be fitting for the podcast. And I agree. So definitely go support Misery Lane. Links are in our description areola. 
Where are we road tripping to do? You better to throw do, that to fucking do today, Amanda. Mrs. Boot. To do today, today, to do. Um. So okay, we're going here to Newago. We're going north. Newago. We're going north. We're going to where our peoples have asked us to go. Yeah, we we've had numerous requests by our listeners to feature this story. I've had the story typed up for a while now. You have. Maybe because it was requested so much is why I'm a little nervous to do it. Maybe it's because it was a close, it's close to us. Geographically, very close. And we know a lot of people that live right in that area. Yes, I I don't know why I've been putting this one off, Hmm. but I've been putting it off. So here we go. And um, just... Just know I'm not trying to offend anybody, and I definitely don't want to smear any of the victims in any way, shape, or form in any of our podcasts. Ever. But, man, my stomach is in weird knots right now. We're, we're going to get through this. I'm going to smoke this joint. Wait, Matthew. wait, wait. Oh. Okay, now you can go. Matthew Wayne Jones, a.k.a. Skip, Otis number. Nine six zero seven zero two, Ken Ross Correctional Facility, aka jail. Jail. Sentenced seven twenty one of two thousand fifteen. His date of birth is two of eighteen, nineteen seventy. That's Matthew. Then we have his brother Paul Michael Jones, Otis number five one four eight six eight. He's. At the Thumb Correctional Facility, a.k.a. Jail. Sentence 7-21-2015, the same day. His birthday is March 9, 1972. Yep, that's Paul. Paul and Matt Jones, brothers, just two years apart in age, grew up just south of Nuego in a town called Grant. On the night... Of July 17, 1989, Shannon talked to her boyfriend, Brian Ish, who had, <laughs> I knew you were going to do that, who had recently moved to Ohio. She talked to him around 9.55 p.m. and shared her evening plans with him. She planned to go hang out with some friends at a local party spot. Her father, Robert, known mostly as Bob, Left to go to work at the bottling plant around 10.15 or 10.30 that night. From what I understand, I mm-hmm. guess he worked here in Grand Rapids at a Pepsi bottling plant. Pepsi. Which I, I, didn't I don't know where the Pepsi, Pepsi is. I know where one. the Coke one is. I know. I didn't think we had a Pepsi one. Huh. Interesting. What do I know? It could be wrong. Being a single father who had raised Shannon alone since she was four, the night shift worked really well for him and for both of them, actually. Yeah, Shannon had spent the earlier part of the day at a local swimming hole with some friends, Carol Glassner and Carol's boyfriend, Paul Jones. The couple took Shannon home after swimming. Later that night, Shannon called Carol. We got more names going in here. We've got to keep track of them. Carol's the one she just went swimming with. Yeah. Later that night, Shannon called Carol to see if she could hitch a ride to the party spot. Carol told her no, and Shannon asked her to Ask Paul if he would pick her up, and Paul also refused to take her partying. Yes, they were the two that she was swimming with earlier, and she basically was, you know, trying to hitch a ride with them, and neither of them wanted to come grab her. Your Highness? What? Aren't those f- spots fun? You just go There's so many of jump them. in the lake and there are goof around. so many, especially <laughs> in Nuevo, because you've got the river, mm-hmm. and I don't, I think. I don't know if these were lakes or river spots they were jumping into, but there's so many up there everywhere in, private. in Michigan, really. Yeah, nobody had- knows you're there. It's just you and your friends. That evening, Shannon's friend Julia Littich, also a relatively close neighbor, went to her house that night at 1130, between 1130 and 1145 to visit her. Shannon wasn't home. This friend wasn't aware that Shannon had planned to go out with friends that night. She continued to knock on Shannon's door about every half hour. She was close enough to to her friend there that she even went into Shannon's house and looked for her in her bedroom to no avail. Shannon just wasn't home. She continued to do that until like 2.45 in the morning, boot. Jesus. Yeah, she, well, yeah. 
That's they're close oof. friends. I'd be I don't think she was worried about her at that point, but she just like kind of was like, "Damn, is she home yet? I want to hang out." Damn, is she home yet? I want to hang out. Right? She's not fucking home yet. I'm gonna go check on her again. When Bob returned home from work in the morning, his pride and joy, his only daughter, wasn't home. Bob Sider's daughter, Shannon, would never come home again, and this obviously broke the man. I can't imagine. Bob reported Shannon missing on July 20, 1989. He did everything he possibly could to find his daughter. He sent posters to the police posts. All over Michigan, and he plastered those posters everywhere in Nuego and surrounding towns. He even had numerous billboards put up, boot, and you know that oh. wasn't cheap. I wonder if mm. any of our listeners remember the billboards. I don't remember those. I though. don't either. Bob and his friends searched for Shannon, looking everywhere in town, even checking some of the more well-known hangouts, which meant a lot of those backwoods secret spots. Yeah. He obviously talked to as many of her friends as possible, and nobody really gave him any answers. This is interesting. Nuego is a town of 3.92 square miles. However, Nuego County is 862 square miles. That's my favorite number. It is. You say it all the time. I don't know why. Don't ask me. Unfortunately... Nobody found Shannon until Labor Day weekend when two hikers in the Manistee National Forest found two identification cards with Shannon's name on it. When the police searched the area, they found a pair of jeans, but not a Shannon. (sighs) Mm -hmm. As we all know, the Manistee is insanely large area. Anyone could get lost there. And all of our towns have their little-known spots, and all of those little places were checked. Even the canoe livery that we've all been to like a hundred times. If you've gone down the Muskegon River, you've probably gone to this canoe livery or livery. Bob went to the area where the hikers found Shannon's IDs and looked all around for her to no avail. Thank God. I would not want her father to be the one to find her. I no. No. You can find you can find him on numerous videos talking about how he wasn't searching for his daughter at this point that he was searching for her body or grave. Jesus. And it's freaking fucking heartbreaking. Well, it took 3 months before Shannon's remains were discovered. A bow hunter. A bow hunter going into the forest. Find his hunting spot, instead found Shannon's body. That's horrifying. I know. You know, as many times we've camped up there, I can't believe we haven't found a DB. <laughs> well, we better start camping up there mm-hmm. more. God damn it. I'm what? bringing Tim Todd's hounds, and what? we're going to find some. Oh, we're, we're going to find one. Mm-hmm. She had been in the same exact area that her IDs were found. In fact, the officer told Bob, If he had gone just a little bit further into the woods when he was searching, just past a tree line, he would have found his daughter. Okay, I have questions. Why then, when they first found her IDs, did they not find her then? Because if she was just past where her IDs were found, they they didn't didn't do a very good fucking Mm -hmm. search. They're like, yeah, okay, my shift's almost over. Oh my I gotta go God. home. Oh, my God, which dog silent but deadly to us? I don't know, but Did it wasn't me. No. It really smells. I would smells claim that. Like Jesus. It's, <laughs> it's bad. i got to go in the other room. Fuck. <laughs> You're an ass. I was Fuck. trying not to say anything about it. Oy. The area of the forest that she was found was off M82 and Thornapple Road. You know what, Your Highness? What? Our friend at work lives on M82. The motorcycle guy. Oh, my God. Does he know? He probably knows about this. Probably. Detective Miller had the medical examiner come in, and it was determined that she passed due to blunt force trauma to her head, and it was a homicide. Shannon had died in a brutal way. Her body was rather beaten up, and there were cuts made. Uh, I guess mutilation to her private area, too. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to say Eesh. any more than that. The ME also concluded that she had been 
sexually abused because there was also mutilation in that area. There was no evidence found near the body nor on her body. The only thing that was noticeable was that her class ring was missing. An entomologist was brought in and he determined that Shannon's death happened in the last couple of weeks of July or the first week of August, which fits into the July 18th missing date. The investigation covered the entire town. They came up with the eight people that Shannon was hanging out with that night. All eight of those people were thoroughly questioned, and some even took polygraphs. I get, oh, what? Fucking hate polygraphs. They're stupid. No, Every they, show I watch. They're accurate, though. Are they? Are Oof. they? Are they? Unless you're a sociopath or a psychopath. on polygraphs, because everything I watch, they're like, oh, we're going to make him take a polygraph. If he passes, eh, he might still be guilty. And we're not going to accept that he passed and let him off the hook. As a side note, when I was going through my military training, they gave us polygraphs. I think you said this before. Oh, yeah. They set us up in situations. Mm -hmm. And, oh, man, I failed that polygraph just (laughs) like there was, ooh. Like, it was all hypothetical and set up. They basically learned that the group met up at a local store, the Easy Mart, And they drove around in three separate cars, drinking and cruising around like you do. Sounds like fun. Teenagers in Nuevo. They hung out in area. Howard City. What? They hung out in an area they called the Hole in the Woods, which, you know, I have my little secret spot that's called the Hole. I don't want to know about your Hole in the Woods. It sounds gross. Shannon had been riding in one of the cars with Brandon Seavers and Levi Pearson. Brandon Seavers was a known woman hater. He had a sketchy reputation, and people said that he called women sluts and whores. It says wares. I know, but it's whores. Don't read my typing, boot. I circled it. God, it's the 100th episode. <laughs> I this like is it. our 100th it's, episode. It's a warehouse, not sluts a whorehouse. Sluts and wares. <laughs> Get those sluts and wares out of here. I don't want to see their faces, the ugly. I'm here to see your wares. I want your sluts and your wares. <laughs> Shannon wasn't comfortable being in Brandon's car during the cruise time. Understandably, he doesn't so, like sluts and wares the next or women. opportunity, she got into the car with the Jones brothers. I was not just calling Shannon a slut. I'm sorry. It no, came no, no, out no, no, wrong. No, 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 no. I just meant that Brandon had that sketchy reputation, and that's why that's Shannon what he wouldn't want them. to ride with him. Mm. So, yeah, mm. she ended up changing cars and got in with Brothers Joneses. Everyone agreed that Shannon left with the Jones brothers, and they stated that they were going to watch movies at her house. But they ended up just dropping her off at home and leaving. Of the eight kids, everything seems to be checking out. Shannon was last seen with the Brothers Jones. Isn't that a band? I don't know. The Jones Jones Brothers. Brothers. (laughs) Probably. Matthew and Paul Jones described in detail that they dropped her off. Her TV was on and they they could see her dog. In the window. A dog. Mm Mm-hmm. In October of 1989, the Cider's neighbor, Vicky, was interviewed and she stated that she was taking out the trash at the crack of black, just 3.15 a.m. if you didn't know. And she knows this because it's her morning routine to get up and cook breakfast for her husband. Oh, she's a good girl. That woman's a saint. Mm-hmm. Getting up at 3.15 mm. to cook myself breakfast. She says she saw a car at the Cider's house, and she was an ear witness. You know, there's a whole podcast about ear witnesses. Is there? Yeah. People kind hear of. things. Mm-hmm. I just had a conversation with my supervisor about microphones in public spaces. Oh. The legality. Oh. Yeah. It's something to cover at a later date. Yes. She had heard a girl say, I want to go with you. And at some point, she heard a man's voice saying, You lying bitch. She said it was a dark-colored car, and she heard car door slam, and the car took off. During the time that they were still looking for Shannon, someone called the police department. Amy B. was a 15-year-old working the summer at the police department as a receptionist at the time. 
she answered the phone one day and, and she heard, I just killed Shannon Siders. She was 15 years old, so of course she freaked out. She started crying and she told the police officers who were around her. This is interesting to me because I can't imagine that a 15-year-old would be answering the phone. Bro, thank the, you very the -line much. Welcome for the to police Uwego. department. I don't understand it that. It doesn't seem at right all. at all. And it's it's stated in more than one place. So I don't think that that information is wrong. Right? All avenues no, to find wrong. out. <laughs> You're an ass. All avenues to find out who made the call were fruitless, and Detective Pat Helder said it, Header. it was... Header! His name's Header. Oh. Pat Header. Header. <laughs> said it was thoroughly investigated. All in all, from what I could find, hundreds of people were interviewed, and at least a dozen men were seriously looked at as suspects. And don't quote me on that, but... A hundred? Hundreds. That's the entire... Dozens. The that's entire the entire town... town. <laughs> <laughs> Every man. Talk flew around town about certain families and how they live. Some were known to be violent people in the area. And so, you know, rumors spread. Yeah, yeah. So and, and people so. were like, hey, I bet it was that uh, family. Yeah. Or I bet it was that uh -huh. family because, you know, they're a bunch of pieces of shit. Even if they're, you know, how they're, it goes. Yep. Uh, numerous people were polygraphed. There were a lot of people polygraphed. Norman Shields took two polygraphs, 12 years apart, both which came back inconclusive. That, that's uh, kind of suspect on its own. Suspicious. Uh-huh. William Shields, his brother, took one and also came up inconclusive. Hmm. Uh-huh. Clint Guthrie. Clint, yeah, Clint. I like that. Eastwood. I I hate that name. I love that name. I love Clint Eastwood, but I am really sorry that we teach because it about sounds names. like Clint. It does, and you don't like anything vaginally related. <laughs> <laughs> Even people that have one. Clint Guthrie's polygraph. God, polygraph straight up came out as not being truthful. Lying, Clint. Jesse Blanchett inconclusive. also an inconclusive polygraph. polygraph. Hey, Boo, would you like to know who took polygraph tests that came back truthful? I'd like to know that. Can I read them with you? Yeah. Douglas Ling. Kim Jones. Matthew Jones. Ray Jones. That would be Roy Jones. Douglas Mead. Darin Sackett. I hate you. And Robert Bob Siders, which is Shannon's dad. And if you take note up there, Darren, I'm going to knock you off your chair. Uh-oh. Did you hear that little baby? I heard it. It was a little also, baby. Also, take note that Matthew Jones is on the truthful polygraph test, and he would be Otis number whatever we said at the beginning of the thing. Matthew Jones, yeah. Okay, another person of interest was Randy Sokolowski. I like that name. Well, who, Polish. Who, yeah, who did talk to the police and claimed he saw Shannon that night being yelled at by a man. He never took a polygraph test, though, and he was known to be a violent human. <laughs> yeah, he was the one being yelled at. Brandon Seavers, the woman hater. The one that doesn't like wares and yep, yep, sluts. Yep. Wares, warehouses. Or sluts. Mm. The woman hater was interviewed and looked at closely. Shannon's friend, Julia Littich, was questioned about her checking on Shannon all night. Yeah, she's the friend that kept going over to her house. Kind of basically helped give a good timeline because she kept going over to Shannon's house all night and Shannon was at home. Nice. All in all, the investigators had a bunch of polygraphs, Shannon's missing class ring, her IDs, and little to no evidence or motive. Bob Satter buried his only daughter with no answers, and you can see the the, the trauma all over the his toll. face. Oh, God. This is the only baby girl, for crying out loud. Shannon's case became a cold case for 22 years. Finally, in 2011, 
new administration came in and they started a cold case crew called the CCC <laughs> to look into Shannon's like murder. That's my name, Paul, because like I'm an asshole. Miss Vicky, the neighbor, was interviewed again. This time, she remembered that the car she saw was driven by Brian Ish. He's kind was, of a Brian. He was, <laughs> was Brian Ish. <laughs> who was Shannon's boyfriend that had moved to Ohio. Julia Liddish, the friend who went to her house all night long, had originally been questioned, but her information was not in the file, which was kind of weird. I don't know. I think it's a little fishy. They used her as the timeline. She was going over there all night. Amy B., you know, the 15-year-old receptionist girl, Amy B. had been haunted, as most were, by the Shannon Siders her whole life. And she may have even been the only one to hear the killer's voice. When the case opened back up, a reward was offered. I don't think it was her motive, though. But Amy B. became sort of a detective herself. She even says that she was obsessed with Shannon's case. She wanted to know who killed Shannon and give that information to Bob so he could have, you know, the thing that we all call closure. Amy talked to hundreds of people in the area. Locals said she could be downright pushy. She would talk to people numerous times. No offense to Amy. I'm just surprised that the police let her go on with this investigation like this. You know? Like, she she pushed people. Sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah, but she has no affiliation to the sheriff's department or anything. You can't just be a sole investigator. I don't think I'd be too happy if she showed up at our house and... I don't know. Started asking I'm just us. saying, I. it's sketchy to me that you just be a sole investigator on your own. In, She's not breaking laws. She could be a public nuisance. I don't know. Didn't, didn't come down it's to that. It's weird to me anyway. The cold case crew, Officer Pat Headland, set up a Facebook page. Sort of like Where's Shannon Siders or Missing Shannon Siders page. Instantly, he received a message from the self-appointed detective, Amy. She let him know everything she'd been doing and what she had uncovered so far. Hedlund just told her to hand over the information. I guess Amy did. She gave him a few messages through Facebook that seemed like viable leads, and she did call Pat Hedlund and give him details. Pat, in turn, checked out all of the leads that she came up with. This is really interesting. I like it. Sadly, though, a few seemed really hopeful. They just couldn't find any viable evidence. It came down. Bob agreed to having his daughter's remains exhumed in July 2012 and was interviewed by the news. He stated that he is okay with her being exhumed and that new science is going to catch his daughter's killer. On top of that, Bob knew that Shannon's friend had placed letters in her casket. All their friends had. Being the upstanding man that he is, he never read any of them. They were private letters, and he figured... It's just private. It stays that way. Yeah. Investigators wanted to read through those letters, though, mainly because someone gave them a tip that there was a confession letter in there. Who? Why do people do dipshit? Shit like that. I don't know. Rumors. Finally, October 15th, 2012, the remains of forever 18-year-old Shannon Sutter was laid to rest for good. Nothing came from the letters and no new evidence or DNA was found on Shannon's body after the exhumation. I lied. There was a moment of hope when hair was found in Shannon's hand. They hoped it was from the suspect. But it was tested and it was found out to be her own hair. Interesting. Which again leads me to more questions. How did the undertaker? Why would he do that? Why is hand? Did he do it on purpose? Was it just a shitty undertaker job? Now I'm starting to wonder if the undertaker may have been part of the overall plan. We could go all kinds of places if we want. But I just thought it was weird. Amy kept asking questions and badgering people. People in town finally started telling Amy that she needed to talk to Jenny Corrigan. Who's Jenny Corrigan? We don't know because you haven't heard that name yet. Right. Another name. So Amy went to Jenny Corrigan. Jenny gave Amy information about that night that she had been withholding for years. 
Jenny? Jenny did? Mm-hmm. Oh. She was with Dean Robinson the night Shannon went out missing, and they both saw what happened. Amy calls Pat Headland and declares that they have their first witness. For over 20 years, this young lady held back information that could have been useful. Detectives tracked down Dean Robinson, which was rather easy because he was already behind bars. And they interrogated him up, down, and around and around. Ooh. Dean's story is that he had been in the area and had picked up the young partier that night. In fact, she was only 14. Yeah. I can't say anything because I was just a year I know you did that partying. kind of. The 14-year-old is Jenny Corrigan. Dean says she kind of forced herself in for a ride to the wooded party spots that night while he was in town. She had friends that were out that way, and she just needed a ride out to the forests. Dean also purchased some drugs from someone for the night, I believe in the store parking lot. Yep. LSD, cocaine, uh, that's it. He also loaded up on the standard weekend alcohol. By his own admission, he was lit up. Drinky, he doesn't drinky. remember if he used any of the nose candy that night, though, but experience telling me he yeah. probably might like have all of it. dipped into it a little bit of it. Dean was driving around looking for his girlfriend, Tanya Barron, who was supposed to meet him to party after she was out of work. The two of them, Dean and the 14-year-old Jenny, Drove around. God, that just makes me feel dirty, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes. Drove around to different places, and they did see a few groups of partying kids. They did not see any of their friends or their people, though. In the wee hours of the night, Dean ran his car up onto a stump and ripped his bumper off. So the two just stayed where they were until morning. His logic was just not to look suspicious and get pulled over. I can understand that. The two of them said that a maroon car pulled up and Paul Jones got out and asked Dean if he saw a girl anywhere. He He also said that Paul was visibly drunk. Ooh. If you're visibly drunk, you're You're drunk. drunk. (laughs) The Jones car leaves. Dean and the young girl stay where they are to sober up. A few hours later, they left and they saw the Jones car again. This time, they saw the two guys standing over the body of a woman. He jumped out of the car and ran toward the group of three when he slipped and sprawled out onto the forest floor. Paul promptly took a boot to his head, and the young girl started laying on the horn. So Dean jumped back into the car, and they took off. Blatantly, the young girl was freaking out when she saw the two men dragging the body towards their car, but Dean insisted that the two of them were taking the woman to the hospital. Might have been a little denial going on right there. Oh, yeah. That is the story, and he swore to the young lady that everything was fine and that she better keep her mouth shut. Dropped her off at home. Keep your fucking mouth shut. Mm Mm-hmm. They're fine. They're taking the girl to the hospital. You didn't see... shut up. Goddamn thing. You weren't with me all night? Mm. Shut the fuck up. Mm. Shit. That's difficult. Zip it. Dean went to his sister's house, and she helped him deal with his kicking from the boot to the, the head. The boot licking. His sister threw some super glue on it and called it good. Dude, 20 years later, they, we have weak farts today. I'm trying. 20 years later, super glue is actually just a thing that everybody uses now. Back then, it was in just, a pinch. It was just a backwoods thing. No doctors have super glue type shit now. They also have the confession of Lindsay Bradley. Lindsay was an on and off with Paul thing. She swears that she saw Shannon's class ring in the ashtray of his truck. The important part about this is more what Paul said when Lindsay kind of confronted him about that class ring. He said, let's face it, she's probably dead. Whoa, that was much better. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. It's those onions I had yesterday. Jesus. Investigators jumped on that because they never let the class ring information out. No, sir. They held that to the vest, as they like to say. Pat Headley even had 
metal detected the area where Shannon's IDs were found and never found the ring there. So it was a rather significant statement to him at the time. Detectives are ready to head to a probable cause hearing on Monday, June 23, 2014. The judge ruled that with the confession of Dean and Jenny, that there was enough to take this to trial finally. Ooh. Yeah. June 24, 2014, Matthew and Paul Jones were charged in the homicide of Shannon Siders. While they were awaiting trial, Jenny Corrigan manages to make several visits to the jail where Dean was housed. Remember, Ooh. Jenny's the 14-year-old, was the 14-year-old. She didn't go visit Dean in the jailhouse by way of the front doors. She didn't have to go through the oh, visitor this is check. Crafty. She didn't have to be on an inmate's visitor list. You know what Jenny Corrigan did? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Explain tell, it. Tell us. She was getting in because she was listed as a minister. Dude. She Anybody fucking can went do online that. and got a goddamn minister. Anybody can do that. Whatever. I don't know. Investigators believe that Dean and Jenny may or may not have been concocting their story on these ministerial visits that she was making. Uh, yeah, Jenny denied any sort of relationship with Dean. The trial starts, and both brothers are going to be tried at once, making it a dual trial, a dually trial. You know what? What? They have dual juries. You know, it's, it's, it's like a really big orchestra out there in the courtroom. It's kind of weird to me. Mm, I don't if get it. If you're going to have... Dual <sighs> juries. Do the jury people go out back and fist fight each other after tickling? That would be awesome if yes, somebody yes, videotaped that. Maybe our friend Christopher can explain this dual trial bullshit. I bet he can. Why would you have a dual trial and then have... Dual juries? Dual, dual juries also. None I, of it makes a goddamn bit of sense. Mm -mm. That's why I tell the stories. I don't prosecute them. Prosecutors would claim the brothers tried to sexually assault Shannon, became sexually enraged when she declined. When she ran from them, they hit her with their car to stop her. Then they raped her, beat her, and eventually murdered her. Yikes. Two of the witnesses were inmates who benefit, benefited from their testimony. Mary, Shannon's mom, was put on the stand, and Miss Vicky went on stand and surprised everyone with a totally flipped script from her previous interviews and with yes. investigators. Miss yes. Vicky's the neighbor, right? Uh, the ear witness? Yes. She's, okay. Bam. Despite her faithful daily routines, she suddenly couldn't remember things properly. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Numerous. She got a death threat. She got a visit, is what mm. I read. But I'm not going to say anything else about that. Mm. Numerous people took the stand. And do you know who didn't take the stand? Uh, oh, here it is. Amy Bonner. Amy goddamn Bonner. You know, the one, the one Amy mm. B., she was Miss Nosy McNoserton, who thought she was an investigator. I bet she got a visit, too, and from someone. And she, why, why, why would you put yourself into all of this and then not testify, like not be a part of the trial? None of this makes a goddamn bit of sense to me. I don't know. Maybe it will the further we go on in this story. <clears throat> I doubt it. I hope so. I'm just getting higher. Are you? I'm going to take you higher, baby, baby, baby. She we're is, talking about Amy B. She is literally heard saying that they were not going to put her on the stand and make a fool of her. Well, why did she oh, Why did she do I all know. of this then? Uh, <sighs> Jenny Corrigan testified and did say that Dean wanted a lot for his testimony for this trial, meaning he wanted benefits for his testimony. Yeah. Jenny also said she was afraid to tell anyone. Dean reminded her throughout the years to keep her mouth shut. The girl was 14. She was young. She was scared. Oh, I, yeah. I'd I be scared, too. Totally understand. Dealing with these fuckers. Why she kept her goddamn mouth shut. 
The trial went on for 16 days. Closing arguments for the trial were on 420. 420! Didn't you smoke weed with John Hopkins? Every day in 420. Every year in 420. Matthew Jones was guilty of first-degree murder without parole. Paul Jones was guilty of second-degree murder with 30 to 75 years. Two years ago, Bill Proctor was contacted to look into the innocence of the Jones bros in New Lego. You guys can't look at it the same. I was researching this and I couldn't hear it right. So I put the closed caption thing on and the lady was saying instead of New Ego, she called it New Ego. They're new and improved. I will never see them. Lego. Unlike Egos again. Lego my New Ego. Lego my New Ego. Point is, this Bill Proctor guy, he is the founder of Proving Innocence, and it's a foundation called PI. Proving Innocence, get it? And he's nice. a private investigator. His foundation's purpose is to investigate, educate, advocate, support, and assist innocent people in Michigan. He's been rather successful this far. Two years ago, when he was contacted about the Jones case, he decided to take it on. Uh, so people are thinking that Bill Jones, the, the Jones brothers, are not guilty of Shannon Sider's death. I'm finding... The shit didn't, wasn't adding up? That's what this guy thinks. In Bill Proctor's opinion, too many things about the trial just didn't add up. Fishy that cold case team was brought together. Stories are mostly conjecture. Hearsay statements. Things that sounded incriminating. That the Jones were never on the original suspect list. Uh, Zero forensic evidence was found against them. Mm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. He also Mm. talked to numerous people from the area, and he has an entire notebook of all of the case and case files. Uh, so someone said a lot of the testimony was that people had overheard the Jones brothers of Nuevo say things regarding the death of Shannon. Yes. In other words, hearsay. Mm. So Hmm. private eye bill got to work on what was said and being said and how far they were said from all. He did all the things. He just started digging. He also found Dean Robinson in prison. He learned from Dean that Dean actually lied at the Jones Brothers Nuego trial. Yeah, now Dean's claiming that he never met the Jones Brothers at all, let alone having seen them at night. That's fishy. <laughs> God, everything's fucked up in this case. It drives me crazy. He claims that it was all put into his mouth via the police. Yeah, Dean has sent signed papers in front of a notary basically saying that he lied under oath at the trial. Which you can go to jail for. It's called perjury. He's already in fucking jail. Yeah, so it doesn't he matter. was in jail when this all started for beating somebody up, a woman, by the way. That's why he was so easy to find when the cold case team went to look for him. I'm biting my tongue because I would typically make a joke right here. Don't do it. Nope. Let us not forget that Dean was tossed into jail in 2020 for assault with intent to do bodily harm. Last murder by strangulation. Home invasion, solicitation to commit perjury, and witness bribery. Other than that, short list. Dean Robinson's current earliest release date is July 26, 2024. Five. That's just a That's little more than a year, year from now. Yeah. Bro, no, I don't think so, sir. There are a lot of random coincidences that Bill was able to come up with. One woman swears that her father did it. Oh, Jesus. Why? Because she saw her father rape and hurt other girls before. That's disturbing. It was very disturbing. You know, I don't even want to go through that city anymore. So many gross people live there. There now, are... No offense to people who live there. The good people. (laughs) Sorry, (sighs) I am so sorry. Gross people fucking live everywhere. Yes. We're just being dicks. Don't take personal offense to it. There are a bunch of videos that you can watch on what Bill Proctor found as far as the innocence of the Jones brothers. 
The videos are called Seeking Justice, which like a million videos will come up. So I will link it below along with his website. Because if you type in Seeking Justice, not just his video comes up. There's like 800 Seeking Justice That's good to know. But he does have a website that I'll tell you about. Between this stuff that P.I. Bill came up with is between the time of Shannon's death in 1989 and the time that the Jones brothers Nuego were arrested in 2014, they had both managed to get into a bit of trouble. Well, Matthew doesn't. He, he doesn't show any previous sentences. No, but Paul is a different story. Ooh, he collected five sentences from three different dates, June 30, 2004, Two sentences for home invasion, one a first degree, the other second degree. I don't know what those mean. July 29, 2004, he had a home invasion of the first degree. June 13, 2006, a second degree. Home invasion and possession or sale of weapons. It was a teaser. So Dean's word doesn't sound too steady to me. I'm just saying, I don't know. Everybody sounds weird. Mm. Dean sounds weird. Paul, Matthew, everything's been nuts. It's been two years since Bill Proctor, the PI guy, took on this case, I guess, the Innocence Project case of the Jones brothers. The the Jones brothers still remain in jail. I mean, I hope they stay there Mm. because... I think uh, they got the right people. Matthew Jones release date never. Paul Jones release date never. I... Oh, God, this is a rough story. There wasn't a lot of evidence, physical evidence. It is all you just based on hearsay. Yeah, pretty much. Polygraph. The polygraphs were the only fucking thing. Yeah. And what happened to that guy who straight up lied on the polygraph? Where, and admitted to having lied. I don't know. It didn't, he didn't admit to having lied, but it came up. This was an was untruthful, untruthful polygraph. So... I don't know if the Wright brothers or the right people are in jail. We just don't know for sure. For this situation. But here we are. This is this is This guy what it is. who has gotten people free hasn't managed to free them yet. No, I didn't say get them off like you wanted me to say. <laughs> He's trying to get them off. Oh, we got it done. I hope you guys <sighs> liked it. And if you have any other stories you would like us to cover, just email us. If you're a band, send us an MP3. We'll play you. Hey, Boo. Yes. Who's our happy ending? They're called Misery Lane. Behind the mask. Don't get shot. Hey, don't put yourself into a situation where you might become a victim of opportunity. You did a good job.
Thank you for choosing Michigan Murders and Music. Please rate the show wherever you listen. Michigan Murders and Music is produced by The Boots. Episodes are researched and written by Your Highness. Edited by Your Highness. Views and opinions are the sole stupidity of us and us alone. Don't blame others, please. Listening to this podcast could quite possibly cause major problems to your earballs and definitely will mess up your kids. Permission has been given to us by the bands and we purchase our music on Bandcamp.com. Support your local music scene and all local music scenes.